how long do you need to travel to play a game in Stornoway? Did we witness the quickest second half goal in grassroots football history? And is Hunters Hill Sports Club the most iconic grassroots football venue in Scotland? Find out on this week's episode of the Youth Football Podcast. Welcome to the Youth Football Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Binney, joined by Robbie McDonald, Daniel McLeod and Ramsey Banks. We've got a bumper selection of the finest journalists north of Inverness. There is not a great accent in sight in this podcast today. Robbie Inverness native. Ramsey, I'm sorry, you're Inverness as well, Ramsey, are you not? Just north, but pretty much. J- just north. And then Daniel couldn't, he, Daniel's basically in Norway. A proper Chukter. A proper Chukter is finally joined. Beyond Chukter. <laughs> so, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, Daniel goes by Tubes. So, we refer to it as Tubes throughout the podcast if anyone is confused. Now, we've got lots to chat about today, but boys, it's been everyone's first week back at uni. You all enjoying it? It's good, mate. Yeah, it's been great. I'm not even actually back yet. I'm still still in Norway right now. So, I've got all the forward to. How's Haaland, mate? Oh, he's do- he's doing brilliant. Yeah, just making sure he's not coming back for the Euros. This podcast, just a reminder, will be back now every single week since Robbie has finally got his act together. We'll be making sure we bring you a new episode um, at the beginning of every week. Boys, all back at uni. Everyone's settled, apart from Daniel, who has been unable to get there a ferry or something. God knows what what has been to the transport. <laughs> Delivery pigeon or something. <laughs> 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 so, uh, no, great to have the boys today. Um, first, let's have a little chat about some of the Scotland youth teams uh, this week. Robbie, Scotland 16's flying this week. Yeah, Scotland 16's. They are playing two friendlies this week. They played one a couple of days ago against the Faroe Islands, where they won 2 1. And then, I, think, I believe tomorrow they play Poland. So, a good wee double header there. Perfect start, getting the 2 1 win. Yeah, captains by the main man Hayden Borland. Hayden Borland, of course, previously at Patrick Thistle doing really well. He's just signed for Celtic in December. Big high hopes for him and captained by Taylor Hogarth of Hearts. Well done to Taylor um, as well. Managed by James Grady, if anyone remembers James Grady from back in the day. He scored an injury time winner uh, for Gretna to rele- relegate none other than Ross County in 2005. Oh, no. Terrible, terrible. My dad still, I know my dad still curses the name of James Grady to this day. I was at three years old, I don't remember that game too well. But ever since I heard about that dreaded day, I've had a little disliking of the man. I think I was about one. Yeah, I don't don't think any of us here are old enough to remember that. But um, this is like a an episode of the Staggy's View here. This, this is just the most recent <laughs> podcast you could possibly. As it should be, but <laughs> do, you, do you support Ross County as well? No, I'm a Hibs fan. Fortunately, not a Ross yeah. County fan. I have actually appeared on the Staggy's View podcast though, so that doesn't make it much better. Shambles of an episode. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, as Robbie said as well, um, Scotland 16 is that game tomorrow against Poland at six o'clock, hoping for, for more from the main man, James Grady's side. that absolutely slapped, slapped the hearts of, of, of Robbie and Ramsey here. Um, had the Scottish Youth FA Cup second round draw 
um, as well, taking place. I think most of the games will be played on the 13th of October. We won't get into our own um, personal experiences with the, the Scottish Cup. We, we tried that last week and realised that none of us had got very far. Um, <laughs> apart, apart, apart from a football manager save that was... <laughs> was it he said he got to the fight in Partick Thistle? Partick Thistle. <laughs> Yeah, talking absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> as usual on this podcast, to be fair. Um, UEFA Youth League games as well. Hamilton take on Mulder Tuesday the 24th of October. Um, that, that's coming up. Hamilton, Hamilton's a strange one because you know, it's a League One club now playing in the UEFA Youth League. But I think for as long as I can remember, like you boys all, all agree as well, Hamilton always had good youth teams. Great, great academy and there's a number of players that have come through there. I remember kind of James MacArthur, uh, James MacArthur came through at the same time more recently, Lewis Ferguson. And Ramsey just seems like, once again, Hamilton are producing top players. Yeah, Hamilton are a funny team because their first team hasn't been doing so well, but you look at their transfer window and unfortunately they've been forced to sell um, their good young their good youngsters down south for um, uh, hopefully decent money. Um, because it's good for the club and it's also good for the players. Um, if people see, oh, they've moved for um, big amounts of cash, they must they must have must have a bit about them. So yeah, Hamilton have a really good academy and good luck to those who are still there and good luck to those who have gone down. Yeah, Ryan Oney was was one that just left recently to to join Sheffield United. I think he scored his first goal for the the 19s of the reserves or something the other day. I saw that on, on, on Twitter. So hopefully. Hopefully he can go on to, to become a good player, just like just like his father. Um, tough start in the, in the in the youth league for Celtic goes in three 0 away to Feyenoord. Of course, those groups mirror that of the of the senior side. So um, Celtic will also face Lazio and Atletico Madrid later on. But again, like when you're playing, especially suppose like especially Dutch teams, Dutch youth teams are a joke. Like your PSV, Feyenoord, Ajax. It's, it's, it's going to be really, really tough to, to, to compete with all of that. Now, enough of these uh, big-time players. Let's get into what we really love and care about. Um, Ramsey, you were able to take in Fnart Blacks versus Canvas Lang um, at the weekend, finally getting some real West of Scotland football and like the absolute rubbish you have to watch up north. Tell us what... Tell, tell everyone um, what kind of went on in, in that game. So I believe it was quite, quite a good match. Uh, no need, no need. But to be fair, this match had a, had a bit of everything. It ended 3-2 to Campbell's Lang, but it was topsy-turvy. So Finner actually took the lead. Then it was 1-all, 2-1 uh, to Campbell's Lang, 2-all, and then they got the winner in like the last five minutes. So um, Dylan Carroll, who I gave man of the match, was the captain of Finner, and he scored the first goal. And it was like he was playing at centre-back. Um, he was playing at back and it was a proper proper striker's finish I mean it wasn't even uh off the back of a corner it was from open play I don't know what he was doing up there but it worked for them and uh you sometimes see that don't you especially it was like uh grassroots football I love that like because I always feel especially in kind of the younger age, age groups and stuff that the kind of center halves and bigger boys they're, they're always good ball strikers I just love like, uh -huh, they just, yeah they get just kick like, the ball so hard like yeah. always, <laughs> those, those center backs Especially at grassroots, where like they like take goal kicks and they take like they're all used to just hanging free kicks from the back up. Was he, was he, was he taking the was he taking the goal kicks? Yeah, he was taking the goal kicks and everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's captain, playing centre back, scoring the goals, taking the goal kicks. I bet you, I bet you, he's a coach's son. Must be. I tell you what, after that, after the game, I I had a word with him and the rest of his team. They were all they were all quite happy. They would lost the game, but they were they were pretty confident. Um, but fifteen what, minutes later, um, most important question was this guy the coach's son. 
Uh, I have no idea. It must be. It must be. Pure journalism from you, that Ramsey. Yeah, it must be. Sorry, I've interrupted you. Continue, mate. Yeah, but um, the best player on the other side was a boy called Jason Arthur. They're number eleven, and he got squared the ball to make it one all. And to be fair, there was a there was a few boys coming on to him, so it was a really good it it was a really really great finish under quite a lot of pressure, even though it was an open net he got given. And not long after, um, I think the goal gave him a wee bit of confidence because he took it. Uh, he took it sort of halfway into the opposition half, took it past a few, and it was a really neat finish into the into the bottom right, I think. So that made it two one, and that was the half time score, I think. And it looked like it would stay that stay that way for a little while, but Finner sort of got a hold in the game again, and then they got a penalty, and obviously, um, it it was the boy who's to uh Carol who s- stepped up to take it. And again, it was a good penalty, bottom left, very neat. And penalty or not for you, Ramsey? Still more? Mm, it was, it yeah, was I, I, I reckon it was. It was a convinced there, Ramsey. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of, it was one of those where it was a late leg. It was a little trip. Oh, my laptop screen's turned off. There we go. Um, <laughs> and for a little while, it looked like it. the score would stay that way. It'd be 2-2. Um, but... This boy called Rhys La, the number ten of Campbell's Lang, he came on. Uh, he came onto the park. I think he'd been off for a little while, and he went to stand up front. Um, and he got the ball off the right, took a touch, and it was a really, really solid finish. And I think that was five minutes from the end. And number I ten, got number uh, ten. Was that you said, Ramsey? Number, number ten, ten Rhys Latter, Yeah. Yeah, Daniel, you know all about playing number ten. YFS Obviously, Cup. yeah, he's there, the enganche sort of role in the YFS Cup, just heading <laughs> through the Scott <laughs> Allen passes for the young strikers. One, one ankle, Hibs Scott Allen. Hibs fans are obsessed. <laughs> why, why do Hibs fans always just love to think that Scott Allen invented the through pass? Because he's just such a maestro, Adam. You even got his trim. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he playing for now? Lawrence. <laughs> I think his time might have passed, but want. his legacy will live on forever. The, the man who invented the three pass in 2015. Anyway, good player. Ramsey, continue. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. I I was quite happy because I managed to get a video of the full time whistle, and it was a uh, emotions were running pretty high. Campbell's Lang were really happy, and Finner were not the happiest when it came to. Full time, as you can probably expect, late, late, conceding a late winner like that is never a happy feeling. But um, their manager had quite a long word with them at full time, and I was like, well, are they getting the tell enough? But no, I don't think they were because they um, they seemed really happy when they came to speak to me afterwards. And uh, Campbell's line were happy as well. Um, got some good interviews. So yeah, good two good groups of boys on the pitch, and good luck to them. And this is just a league fixture. Yeah, just a league fixture. I think. Yeah. Do you think? No, that, I, I know it was a league fixture. Uh, actually, yeah. Do you, do you think then that's that was a big one in the context of potentially being an early season decider. Is this, was that kind of two teams you think are going to be up the top end of the table? I think so. I definitely think so. They were both showed a lot of quality. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's two great sides. Um, but we've got new season, boys. Um, Ramsey's been with us for a while. Uh, a year or something now, Ramsey? Is that how long you've been? Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, probably, probably almost exactly a year about a year yeah so news yeah. obviously means we've got a new intake of volunteers so we've got some some new volunteers out at games um, to replace our old cohort that have gone rusty and stale like Robbie McDonald um, and uh, Anya 
or, or, or new reporter Anya it's an absolute cracker between West Park United and Airdrie and under 16 girls SWF Central Lee Gibson League so let's hear from, from Anya and her post-match piece to camera a goal-filled game today as West Park United took on Airdrie under 16 girls in the SWF Central Lee Gibson League Seven goals were scored in total in today's game and West Park United took the win 4-3. It was a great game and there was some very good football as lots of opportunities were created and chances taken. Congratulations to West Park United. Commiserations, Airdrie, under 16 girls. Yeah, great to hear from Anya. Sounded like a, a fantastic game. Robbie, talk us through the, the action there from West Park and Airdrie because as, as we heard from Anya, it was, it was some game. Oh, it was brilliant. It was a fantastic game to get to see. There was like very much. It was very much back to back and forth. It wasn't like a team got a big lead and there was like the chance of a comeback. It was like Airdrie started the game well. I believe it was a Leah McCann who put the ball in the back of the net with a smooth right footed shot. But then West Park got two back to back penalties in like really really quick succession. Like it would be a bit of a a shame for the Airdrie defence. They were up in arms of the referee, but Isla Swan equalised from the sw- from the spot and then shortly missed, a- missed her next penalty, which she hit the post, but luckily her teammate, Cara Bruckett, was in to equalise for the side. And then after that, Airdrie, it went into half-time at 2-1 and West Park United kind of felt like, oh, they should be able to settle in the game, hopefully be able to see the win out, but straight away, Airdrie got- came out the traps Scored 30 seconds into the second half. Oh, the then, coach must have been fuming, by the way. I know, there after half-time. Oh, there, no, there is nothing worse, like, straight after. Because, you know, you got you going at half-time. And people always talk about, like, the worst thing we can see being just before half-time. But I think it's actually just after. Because you go into the dressing room, you have this entire game plan for the second half. And whatever you've just said is completely irrelevant if the other team score within 30 seconds <laughs> it's, it's especially like, in fact a lot of, like I can't actually remember who had centre that would it would, it would be worse if it was you know their own centre I can't actually remember but you know to, to concede just 30 seconds after after I think the, the coach must have been raging but you know what fair play um, you're obviously doing something right if you can score that quicker from centre and catching them off guard Robbie yeah, I remember. I think it was, I think it was Saint Mirren were playing a team, and I believe it was Danny Lennon who was manager, and they conceded thirteen seconds into the game, and <laughs> and they lost. They lost like it was like one. I think they lost one 0 or they lost two one. They lost by like a goal, and his whole his whole post match press conference was just like, I've spent the whole week getting this team together, taught them how we're going to defend, how we're going to like start the game. No, no, and he's like thirteen seconds. My whole week's ruined. He's like, that's everything. <laughs> like the players have just ruined everything. I need to change all my ideas, all my tactics. Absolutely fuming. Thirteen seconds and my whole week's ruined. God. I know, but it then got it got worse though because just a few minutes later, Sky Thomas calmly rolled the ball into the goal. A lovely, lovely finish. I made it three two. But you know, the the manager managed to get his team going because West Park United were then just pounding Airdrie chance after chance after chance. But Rachel Ross was fantastic in goal and she managed to, you know, for a good while, managed to keep the score at 3-2. But Swan 
got another chance and managed to score again to make it 3-3. She had a fantastic, fantastic game, I believe. Anya gave her a player of the match. But then 3-3 seemed like it was going to end in a draw. Really, probably both. It was a game where both teams probably deserved a point. Like three goals each, a fantastic performance. But West Park did manage to snatch it right at the end when Karis McGinley, the ball fell to her from the corner and she just fired it into the back of the game. So it was a fantastic, fantastic game at the Hunters Hill Sports Hub. Yeah, I know. That's amazing. You know, West Park, you go into the break 2-1 up. All of a sudden, you said, Gaffer's fuming. They, they go a goal behind just shortly after in that second half. And then two late goals. You know, you get you get one back to equalise. Then you just get that winner from, from Carlos McGinley. Just, you know, I feel like you only really get scenes like that in the grassroots game where everything's just a bit hectic and it's just, you love to see it. But um, a point I wanted to make about that one is it's, in terms of not just how great a game that was itself, but if you, if, if you look at this kind of holistically, um, I think I was talking about this game shows how far kind of uh, women and girls footballs come in Scotland. This is uh, Airdrie and West Park um, playing. I can remember when when I was under 16, I'd have been the, the age of these kids that the, kind of, the only options for girls to play football at that age were to play for. They're kind of professional academies, your Rangers, Celtic, from the United Aberdeen, blah blah blah. It it seems now that there are there are a multitude of teams, and that all of your kind of big semi pro junior or or, or 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 amateur clubs, a lot of them have you know women's and girls academies where uh, there are opportunities for girls to play from you know it's the same age as the boys right from the beginning all the way through to to, to senior football, and I know that both of these two sides do have uh, senior women's sides as well, so. Just, just wanted to make that point because it's is 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 really great to see. And I've actually interviewed some of the girls from the uh, the West Park senior team before, and it looks like they're they're doing really really well. So it's just just nice to see. Yeah, absolutely. I remember like when I was a kid growing up, especially in like kind of schools football, there was always like like and when in the school I was in Edinburgh, there was like one or two girls who played, and they used to like they would just come and play for us, and that was fine throughout primary, but then. When we got to secondary school, they weren't allowed to play anymore in the boys' team. So it's fantastic to see that there's kind of more opportunities for good young girls to get into get into football and, you know, the national team's developing. So hopefully in the next few years, we'll have a few of them will be old enough firing goals for Scotland. Absolutely. Uh, another point I've just noticed that that game there was played at Huntersville Sports Hub now. Hunters Hill must have, must have that that AstroTurf must have witnessed some of the greatest games of all time. I remember it because that's a, I don't know if they still do, but I'm pretty sure Rossville and West Park both used that facility. Like when I was growing up playing against them in the in the Central League, and some of the Rossville teams used to play against it, and like under twelves, under thirteens, were an absolute joke, some absolute baller. Amongst amongst those teams, so those those pit well, it's just the one pitch. Sorry, that one AstroTurf pitch with the grass the grass behind it. Uh, Hunters Hill witness witness some great games here. Have you have you have you boys got any kind of iconic, you know, uh, grassroots venues around you? Hunters Hill was definitely one that I would I would think of from from around me. Yeah. You know, stadiums don't count if you played on the Astro in a stadium or a professional ground. But I mean, like a kind of like boys club 
area where ev- everyone would have played in your in your time. Not even like a boys' club, just Inverness High School like playground. Oh, <laughs> I'm primary school yeah, football. Primary school football. At primary high school high. football. Yeah. Different, different gravy. Not not Inverness Six High. Don't forget. Gen- in general, primary school football was different for me. Um, <laughs> not a, not a ground where you'd actually play any games. But like everyone, everyone in the Isle of Lewis, Bayhead pitch, it's like a rugby pitch on one side and a football pitch on the other. And it's either, there's like two, (laughs) there's like two moods it can be in. It's either really long and overgrown or there's like no grass on it whatsoever. But I feel like in school, like apparently everyone was just there playing and there were some horrendous tackles some awful football but then some moments of genius and it's just a, a beautiful venue <laughs> i'm gonna say was it did you ever play anywhere else daniel were there any other alternatives we've got loads of grounds here <laughs> you would not believe um yeah it's just because it's all grass and nothing else now we've got um there's an astro pitch where ross county manager malky Mackay actually set foot last year at some point and um, back football club, they've actually got like a state of the art like dome facility. So they built that. They put loads of money in, and you'll be there. And like, obviously, they had way better youth teams than us. So you'd go and you'd see all the facilities they've got. And then they've got a quite nice grass pitch, which is sadly full of geese poo which isn't really great when you're playing under 15s football. And I think that kind of ruined it, not being able to play on their lovely astral surface. But yeah, there's a lot of good grounds. I think there's, the best one is Gotil Park, where you don't get to graduate until you're under 18 football, senior football. That's where all the finals are played. And that's like our Wembley or our Hamden. <laughs> Gotil Park. A real venue. You you need to experience it. It's on, it's on the bucket list for sure if you've never been. Yeah, I need to see this now. Um, nah, if you're talking, some other iconic venues. If you're talking about Inverness, then you have to mention Milton Pitches, which was the home of Inverness Street League and Inverness Youth League. So pretty much every single every single night of the week, there would be three games played on that pitch for like high school. It, it was like. I think from first year to fourth year and it was an absolutely horrendous surface just baubles molehills everything and just getting in the way of my outstanding footballing performances but there was plenty I mind there being I mind playing a cup final at that game and some older boys turned up with smoke bombs <laughs> I remember, uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't even a cup final, sorry. It was a league game. Just a standard league game and boys turned up with smoke bombs. I remember Aquadome pitches as well. Always a few games on there. On there. Oh, Inverness is just full of brilliant venues, isn't it? I know. Yeah, I know. I apologies to our listeners who, who haven't ventured that far north. So I'll hit you with some classics from kind of West Central Scotland. Westfield Park and Dunny Pace. It was great. Victoria Park, Falkirk. Um, Kings Park, Stirling. I think Loretto playing fields, Eastern Bartonshire, Greenfield Football Centre, Glasgow, even Glasgow Green. Lots of boys would have played, would have played there. Tory Glen as well. Everybody's had a, a game at Tory Glen, God. But yeah, these are these are some kind of iconic venues from, from West Central Scotland that, that I've played at. Anyway, we've, we've talked a lot of rubbish about pitches and reminiscing of, of the glory days. Um, what's here from Kieran Clark, the, the coach that masterminded that victory from the game that Anya was watching? 
Congratulations on the win today, a very positive performance. Uh, what have you taken from today's game? Uh, there's been a lot of positives in the game throughout the last three weeks. We've been working on a lot of things in training. Um, and today's probably the main day that we've seen a lot of, a lot of them things that we've worked on coming out today. So that was, it was really, really good. And uh, is there any players that shone out for you? Um, for me, I thought, Eva, Eva mentioned at the back, I thought as, as your captain, um, she, she has a, crack, a, a great mentality. Um, in terms of driving the players on um, and I thought as well Freya Simpson in the middle of the park I thought she was excellent as well Yeah we had another uh, volunteer um, just starting out this weekend Jack Rogerson um, was at the Youth Cup on Friday for a match between Morton and Clyde Bank so I believe Robbie will kind of tell us what's going on in this but let's first let's hear from Jack and his post-match piece to camera Full time here at a wet and wild park lead Greenock Morton ran out 2-0 winners over Clyde Bank in the SFA Youth Cup the first half we seen no goals, but the second half brought us two cracking goals. One from Adam Murray and the other a header from Oliver Fisher. Fair play to Clyde Bank who pushed them all the way and showed decent football. And number eight, Michael Smith, was the standout. Robbie, huge 2-0 win for, for Morton. What did you make of that one? No, absolutely. It was a, a brilliant performance. It was a bit of a lower scoring game than the than the one that Anya was at, but it was a it was a good encounter, nice and tight. Clyde Bank did well, like managed to hold them out at half time, two 0 nil. And uh, I think at half time it was pretty much anyone's game. But Martin came out a bit better in the second half, probably showed their class. Uh, Adam Murray uh, scored the goal for the opener for Martin. He rifled past a rooted Bryce in the goal, and just gave his team, you know, a real platform to build on. And then later on, Ollie Fisher managed to get the second, which he had the goal disallowed in the first half. The ball came in from across and he fired a header past the keeper, but I think it was offside. That's why the referee ruled the goal out. But in the second half, he just cardboard copied, did the exact same thing again. And this time, the referee allowed the goal and Martin progressed through with 2-0 winners to the third round. Yes, Morton, fantastic side. I mean, they, they were finalists in the, the Club Academy Scotland Cup last year, which is uh, an amazing achievement, you know, given the, the quality of, of, of some of the sides that, that you're up against in that competition. Um, so it's so a fair play to Morton. Hopefully they can perhaps go, go one further this year and, and, and potentially lift the trophy. Yeah, definitely. I think after that they'll have got a bit of confidence going forward and I think if they continue to play like they did against Clyde Bank then they'll give themselves every, every opportunity Warren Nicholson was also um, covering the first round of the, the Youth Cup so she's she's written a brilliant piece sorry on Oaken Lake Talbot versus Queen of the South so head over to the YFS website if you'd like to to, to hear all about that game but it was uh, Harry McKinden fell in his hat trick in, in that game not give too much away because I, I want everyone to go and, to go and read Laura's report um, but there was a hat-trick involved, so absolutely worth going to read every word. Fantastic report for, for Laura, great to have her involved with the, the YFS team as well. Now, Chibs has been patiently, patiently waiting until the, the back end of this podcast to get his moment to shine. Um, now, Chibs, you're here to talk about Ireland's football. The wonderful world of Western Isles football. I mean, I wouldn't call it that, I wouldn't call it that. <laughs> but yeah, you, you, had, you had the chance to, to take in Stornoway United 
and Western Thistle under 15s at the weekend. So chat to us about the game and then we'll, we'll let you blather about Highlands football for a bit. I, well, it was actually the it was the last game of the Junior League season. The Under-18 League had finished the week before, so United took the trip up to the very top of the Isle of Lewis to play Western Thistle. So they're actually the um, amalgamation of three clubs, Westside, Carloway and Ness. So it was played in Ness and what to link to what we were saying before is one of the most scenic grounds in UK football. Honestly, it was like some feels like it feels like one of those documentaries that like you you know, you know when they're there as a pure niche like story and they interview like the one local journalist that knows everything. <laughs> it's like usually like an old guy in his seventies sitting in his room full of memorabilia. That's this right there. <laughs> it was just some twenty years. <laughs> As I was saying, <laughs> there's like, it was like uh, the end of summer, evening game, it's like sun setting, you can see the beach in the background, it's just perfect night for football. Two teams that, to their credit, really did try and just keep the ball on the ground, tried to play it nice. I think United took definitely early control of the game. The West, uh, the Western Thistle goalkeeper, sorry, Myrtle Gillis, he had an absolute stormer of a game, which you might not expect conceding five goals but honestly I was really impressed his confidence command of the area even with his feet he was like Ederson in the second half honestly he was just taking guys <laughs> on he was playing it out I <laughs> think he just went, went rogue in the second half which was just brilliant to see I'm sure I'm sure every goalkeeper every goalkeeper I've met from Lewis is called Murdo I'm surprised it's not just every person <laughs> Murdo, John, Angus There'll be like a murder Alec somewhere else in the team, I'm sure. Some brilliant names, anyway. I know, you're a bit out of place with Daniel, huh? Daniel's just, you know, I'm just such an exotic character up here. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> so, United took kind of early control of the game. They were definitely, they were laying on chances, testing the goalkeeper. And um, Liam McLeod was undoubtedly the man of the match. I think he linked up really well with the wingers, Luke Nicholson and another Daniel McLeod. And he, his goals, the quality of them were just amazing. You know, it's finishing every time. It's just no messing. Bottom corner, top corner every time. He can score all types of goals. All game, he was linking... Is that little brother? Uh, no. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Maybe make me a bit of money someday if he was. <laughs> Possibly a distant cousin, who knows. But um, yeah, does it hurt to see a Daniel McLeod is competent on the football pitch? This he'll never fill the shoes of tubes. That's all I can say. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was a really good game. United, the, Liam McLeod, he scored a hat trick in the early parts of the game. But he was linking really well with his teammates. He was pressing high as well. The fourth goal was a penalty, which was a penalty. I would say it was a handball. So nothing you can do about that in the VAR age. Ewan Davis slotted it away. He had a brilliant game as well. He was playing almost like a deep-lying playmaker role, just linking play. It's like a Thiago Alcantara type, if any scouts were looking. And then in the second half, we've got hopefully we've got yeah, a video. <laughs> hopefully we've got a video that'll be getting uploaded of Liam's goal because he literally he just picked up the ball deep into the kind of middle third of the pitch and just went straight for it, just skimming through players. It was watching like watching something of Diego Maradona in the nineteen eighties, but <laughs> <laughs> without raving too much about United, to their credit, West played some good football in the second half. They didn't let the, you know the goals get them down. 
you know, they started to keep the ball more, laid on a few chances. They had two girls playing on their team who were just brilliant with the ball at their feet. And they really helped actually improve the quality of football in that second half. Yeah, so Daniel, it sounds like a fantastic game, but let's talk about the kind of context of, of, of Ireland's football more, more generally. You you made a point, if any scouts are watching, that's one thing I'd like to, to kind of bring up. What was the, the sort of pathway for for kids in, uh, in the Ireland's to, to get into to professional football if... Um, if, if any, is it, is it just Ross County send one straight to Ross County? It is a good question. You know, when I was growing up, like obviously, like having seen me in the YFS Cup, it's no surprise that I've not made it as a professional footballer. But no one was getting signed. You know, it didn't seem possible to actually do that. But a few players, as I was growing up, did actually get their moves to Ross County, Cali Thistle. There was a boy who was actually managing Western Thistle. He was signed by Aberdeen at some point. But it is really just County, Cali. But for years, you know, there was no one. And then um, Matty Wright, who you might remember scoring a yeah, last-minute equaliser against Rangers for Ross County, he was the f- him and oh, him, yeah. Adam McKinnon and Keith Bray and James Graham as well, actually, for Anna and Athletic. They're all Lewis boys playing in the SPFL, but, you know, for like 30, 40 years nothing it is a difficult pathway because these guys have to you know they can only really get scouted on the mainland because no one's gonna bother with their three-hour ferry to store away and then from there they, them and their parents are having to make that journey you know a ferry every saturday morning sunday night back then the week of school they're missing training it's an unreal commitment and it is a different challenge completely yeah you, you mentioned those kind of like long ferry journeys and, and stuff like that when you when you were playing kind of on the island and against teams from, from neighboring islands can you can you talk us through the the kind of process or or the day a day in the life of, of a young tubes trying to get to football and how many journeys you need to take well for me fortunately i was only so talented that i didn't really have to do too many trips away although i do think i was robbed in some regards of some exciting away days but um yeah you'd you're trekking over because the island's a huge area so you're trekking over like long journeys to get to the top ends the bottom ends one of my best trips i'll take you through so this was this was actually a senior football game but it was um, I was still a young lad, just fresh out of the wonderful world of youth football. And this is, we were playing a team, Barra Football Club, who resemble AC Milan in their kit. So we, because Barra's the bottom island and Lewis is the top one, there's two in between. So we had to drive all the way to the bottom of the Isle of Harris, then get a ferry across. So I was up at like half five in the morning or something, ferry across from Leverborough to Burnery, which is North Uist. And then the game was played in Lena Clay, which is a bit deeper into Uist. So play the game there. That was like a three o'clock Saturday kickoff. Win the game. I didn't even get on, but <laughs> celebrating, <laughs> which was a disgrace. And celebrating the whole way back. And then obviously then you've got to drive back up to the ferry terminal, wait for that. That was maybe like three or maybe four or five even. Ferry back to the bottom of Harris, and then that's like a big journey in itself, maybe hour, hour, hour and a half to the wonderful land of Stornoway. So you can get some mental trips in there. And for the guys going away to the mainland, if they were wanting to play, you know, schools in Inverness, Dingwall, whatever, it's like three hour ferry, then it could be two hours in a car. 
Jesus. That's, I, when that's I was, that's a commitment. When I was in you school, know, people live for we it were though. quite often. When I was in school, we were quite often drawn against Nicholson Institute, which is like. I believe the only high school in Lewis, is it? It is, yeah. Yeah, so like, we used to quite often get them in the North of Scotland Cup. And I remember then, I think it was second year of school, we were we were pre- we were on the ropes for players. We were quite short on numbers. So I got a last-minute call-up to Lewis the day before. I had to run home, get my football boots together and that. And, yeah, it was it was crazy. We used, we'd drive from Inverness to Ullapool, which is a good couple of hours and then go on that dreaded ferry the day we went across there was a storm so they oh, had no. i think there was three there was three ferries running that day and two of them got cancelled and the only one that did was the one carrying melbourne academy across that horrific bit of water i, I spewed five times on the boat over so that was a good, <laughs> a good trip <laughs> one of my mates tried to spew over the edge off the boat and it blew back into his face oh. which is a, and not, not the nicest sight Jesus. a sight Dude. for sore eyes but we got got off the boat and then so we got there like quite late at night went to a fantastic chippy in the middle of Lewis just as it was closing the guy gave us always gave us always leftover food the day before which was a good a good pre-match meal for the game and then we woke up from the youth hostel and got battered 4-1 so and hope it was a Good trip ruined by football. away day. Do you know that that ferry journey is actually the Nicholson Institute football team? I honestly can't count the number of times they got through in like the north of Scotland or the Scottish Schools Cup because teams just forfeited the game if they drew Storn away away. Couldn't be bothered with it. (laughs) (laughs) Every time, every time we played Nicholson, we got barred. I think the the in sixth year, I believe Melbourne managed to beat them on penalties, but. Before there was always players like the boy Matthew Wright, who's now at County. I remember him. I think I think he scored five goals in the first half against Melbourne, and then got su- they subbed him off just to just to spare our embarrassment. I right, so yeah, so we always got like it was always really good games. But I remember like a certain Stephen Much scoring an absolute screamer into us when I was playing in second year. Players like Matthew Wright just tearing up tearing up the pitch against us. There's always been these players that just seem to get produced in Lewis. And why is that, Jubes? Is there just nothing else to do except play football? <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, to a point. <laughs> the thing is, people here love football, which you wouldn't... Obviously, there's not a professional club, but there's there's nine local football teams and like every village or area is really... They just love football. And you're playing from a young age. I mean, I remember playing against these guys when we were like, you know, six, seven years old and everyone, it's just what you do. You know, loads of football festivals on in the summer and they'll be training all through the year. You know, like people just love football here. And yeah, there is probably nothing else to do when we're really young, if you think about it that way. But I mean, it's good that there's obviously that outlook because it could be such a boring place if there didn't, if there wasn't any of those things available. Right, so there is like the fact that there's only one high school in Lewis, like every single player at youth level must just know each other. Oh, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's not even just at youth level, at senior level too. But yeah, you've got, I mean, there's what, under 9s, 11s, 13s, 15s, 18s. And, you know, once you're in secondary school or high school, everyone does know each other. Like in school, like you're up, you're seeing people you're going to be playing against. Like you might not like them. It might create a bit of a fierce atmosphere or maybe it's your mates. 
but you know everyone knows each other everyone's related it's just it creates a really good semblance for a league because it's every game is like some big local derby pretty much Right, that's all we've got time for in episode 9 of the Youth Football Podcast. Remember, we'll be back every week, so make sure you're sitting by the phone on Spotify ready every single week to make sure you don't miss the next episode of the Youth Football Podcast. Robbie, Tubes, Ramsey, thanks very much for joining us. It has been a pleasure. See you all next week.